last ride. Three, dead ass, facts B. Fact number one, punching another foot by helmet makes no goddamn sense. Let me repeat, punching another football player in the fucking foot by helmet makes no sense. You will only hurt your hand and possibly lose some playing time, thereby affecting your own team. We saw this a couple of weeks ago with A.J. Green and Jalen Ramsey. Punching Jalen Ramsey's football helmet got A.J. Green nothing. He looked like a sucker grabbing the man from behind, and then punching his football helmet made him look even dumber. So, let me repeat. Punching a football helmet makes no sense. Deadass fact number two. The Florida State Seminoles beat the Florida Gators for the fifth year in a row. The Florida State Seminoles beat the Florida Gators for the fifth year in a row. We still owe y'all for that sixth streak, but we chasing y'all. We on y'all ass. Deadass fact number three. People who use bare public toilet seats are disgusting. I'm going to repeat this. If you raw dog a public toilet seat, you are fucking disgusting. Get your life together. Wipe it down. Cover it up. Or just go home. Three. Deadass. Facts be. because I'm struggling with something. So I want to promote my little podcast to the best of my ability, but I'm, I'm kind of struggling with it. So if you have any tips, let me know. I'm open to it. Like my biggest audience is my personal Facebook account. And I really don't want to exploit people and spam them all the way, crushing them with me putting my podcast up every five minutes. I'll do it every now and again, but I don't really want to push it too much because then I might lose people I like interacting with so if you got any tips man please hook me up guide me help me grow my brand fam help your boy out i'd greatly appreciate it now i'm gonna get into a little bit of news the first thing i want to talk to you guys about is there was an interview i saw like i say a clip of an interview where they had uh, the cat Tariq nasheed on there the guy who was responsible for hidden colors so if you haven't heard of hidden colors it's basically a documentary that shows the struggle of black people. That's what I'm going to give you in a nutshell. And it has his people who are familiar with black history dating back to Africa and, you know, the, the slave trade and then segregation, Jim Crow, and all, you know, all the trash and bullshit we endured during our time in America. And it'll give you some insight on how we feel or why we feel a certain way about certain things. But that's not what I want to talk about right now. I want to talk about this interview we had with uh, Laura Ingram from Fox News. And I know you guys are probably thinking, oh, Fox News. It was probably some bullshit. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. So I'm going to tell you what happened. So the inter- in the interview, she was talking to him about systematic racism. And he made it clear to say that he doesn't like to say white people. He likes to make sure he labels things white supremacists. And then they got into systematic racism, and she basically was trying to figure out, she's like, how do we fix this? And he was going on about how he was saying, like, it's not people, it's the system. Things are set up a certain type of way. And she was, and then she did the first rebuttal a lot of people do when they talk about black people, which kind of shows you why we are where we at. And the first thing she acknowledged was the NBA and the NFL. And he was like, well, if you look at it, it, it's owned by white people. So 
And they're referring to the players as inmates and slaves. So that's exactly, she basically proved this point. Like, yeah, they're successful, but they're in like the, like maybe even the 1% of black people who are, who are successful in that arena. But that's always pushed out there. But they still work for white men. It's not like we own really any part of that industry. So her, one of her rebuttals is, was why don't they work harder? <laughs> and he was like, well, you mean black people don't work hard? And then she immediately got defensive, like, no, that's not what I was saying. He's like, but that, that's exactly what you just said. So <laughs> if you guys catch it, it's funny because Laura Ingram got caught slipping and they basically just cut him off and kept going. They just killed the interview. And she's like, you're not going to put words in my mouth. And I'm looking like, no, bitch, you put the words in your mouth because that's exactly what you just said. And she sat there looking stupid, and then they segued into something else. It was it was uh, sad that they're still doing that, funny that she got caught, but it just goes to show that people still think the way they think. So keeping up with this politic, man, um, they're still getting a little crazy out here with the sexual assault stuff. I'm not going to get too much into it. I think Al Franken had another accuser. I'm not too sure. I do know that uh, Conyers the steps down as the ranking member of the Judiciary Committee for the Democrats amid sexual harassment claims. So, hits are still coming, man. You guys ain't learning. We're not paying attention. We don't have our lives together, so it's going to continue to be like that. It's going to keep getting dumber and dumber, and hopefully we flush these guys out. But I talked about that enough. We guys all know, keep your hand to yourself, and maybe you won't kill your fucking career like a lot of these idiots are doing. But I just saw it in the news, and I figured I'd let you guys know that it's not just Republicans. A lot of people are creeps. And it's never people you expect, but it's always people you expect. Like, oh, he's such a, he looks grandfatherly, a nice guy. Yeah, most old men are creeps. I'm going to go ahead and say it. A lot of old men are creeps. So don't be surprised if the 60-year-old man wrote some young girl. That's just That just seems to be the, the move. That's how it's been going for years. It's not acceptable, but that's what happens. So even though they look innocent, you know, watch your ass, ladies, literally, because these old mans are creeping and fucking crazy. In other news, out in Virginia, there's a pastor charged with Thanksgiving Day killing of his family. So apparently this cat killed his wife, his stepdaughter, and her boyfriend. I don't know what was going on in the household, but apparently he wasn't happy on Thanksgiving. Maybe the food wasn't good. Maybe the turkey was dry. Maybe the macaroni was fucked up. Maybe the greens had hot dogs in it. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but yeah, man, homie flipped out and killed his people. So now they about to they about to light him up, man, and rightfully so. Don't kill your family. That's bad. <laughs> I don't know if you don't know this or not, but being a man of the cloth, you should know killing your family will get you in some serious trouble on Earth and in the afterlife. So <laughs> let his mistake be a lesson. And uh, speaking of Thanksgiving, man, I actually had a pretty good one for those interested. If you care, if you don't, I don't care. I'm going to let you know anyway, but I'm surrounded by some black excellence, you know, some people who I know in uh, places I would like to be in one day, some black people who have made successes out of themselves. So I like to be around them. A couple of older cats, I get to sit around them and listen. So we did our thing at the crib, and then we slid up to Irvine in Southern California, for those who don't know. And we hung out with some folks and got, got a little bit of game, got some pseudo family time. It was cool. I, I look forward to doing that whenever I can. So, um... Yeah, hopefully everybody had a good Thanksgiving. We had lots of shit, all types of delicious turkey, baked macaroni, greens, yams. Oh, yams. Good-ass yams. Um, brownies. Did I say ham? Did I say greens? Beans, tomatoes, whatever. But it was good. I enjoyed myself, and I look forward to hanging out with family again because I miss it. So um, speaking of Thanksgiving, what happens at Thanksgiving? Sports, football. It's been crazy. College football has been ridiculous. Nobody is safe. That coach in the carousel is spinning like a goddamn roller coaster. Everybody's getting fired. I think the SEC opened up like seven jobs. And I know the Gators were trying to get um, the guy Frost from uh, UCF, who surprised everybody, going like 11-0. and 0. I think they were like 0-11 last year. And now they're 11-0 and 0 and, you know, mad because they're not getting that playoff break. But you're not a power five school. You just kind of got to deal with it. But it's cool to see, you know, smaller schools make it. But the, the thing that sucks about it is is that when a smaller school makes it, their coach usually gets poached by one of the big five conferences. So they don't stay strong for a long time. 
like you know how Boise State did, how they came up, and then TCU came up to the point that they eventually um, got added into the Big 12 Conference. So it's good to see it, man, but it's sad because you, you got to think about these coaches that have been at these schools for a long time, and then out the blue, you know, some of them get fired, and they didn't even get the time to really build the roster. Like a lot of these coaches have been there for a minute. Like the guy, they fired this black head coach in Texas A&M. They, they got him out of there. Um, who else was it? Florida had Randy Shannon as an interim coach. Shout out to Florida State for beating that ass. But they decided to move on, and they were trying to get Frost, but they ended up getting the guy from, I think, Mississippi State or Ole Miss. They got one of those coaches. I think it's Ole Miss. They ended up snatching the guy from Ole Miss because I guess they weren't going to get Frost. And everybody's talking about Frost going back to Nebraska because apparently that's where he played ball. And they, like the old coach is telling him it's time to come home. So we'll see if he stays at UCF. Me personally, I don't know why he wouldn't. I mean, you got the weather, you got recruiting down there in Florida. I know you got to compete with the, you know, the big three schools in Florida. But when you're going 11 and 0, you're going to get the guys who want to start that probably won't start at, you know, Miami, UF, or Florida State. And you already have a pretty decent rivalry now with USF, with Charlie Strong being done. Now, shout out to Charlie Strong for bouncing back after get fired in Texas on some bullshit. Shout out to him for bouncing back and. uh being ranked higher than Texas right now goes to show it's not always the coach. Sometimes it's the program and the people surrounding that program. So shout out to him. So if I'm Coach Frost, I mean, hey, your competition is going to be a little bit easier. You're going to be you're a le you'll be a legend at UCF because you took him 11-0. Kids are going to want to come play for you. You got a built-in rivalry right there in the state of Florida. I really don't see the reason to move other than you know that you know Nebraska kind of being home and they're probably going to cut that check. I'm pretty sure they're going to cut that check. So that is some motivation, but in my personal opinion, I feel like homeboy should stay there. Also, uh, Chip Kelly ended up getting a job at UCLA, and I think that's a good look. He was back in the Pac-12 where he's familiar. People are, are going to want to come play for him. They want, they want to play fast right there in California. He also has, what, three built-in rivalries there. He has UCLA, USC. Well, he's with UCLA, so we have Cal, Stanford, USC, maybe Fresno State, San Diego State, all those teams to play, especially that Oregon game is going to be big. His first game back at Oregon is going to be big because they're not where they were when he was there. They're kind of down right now. So Oregon's probably losing a lot of recruits to Washington and Washington State. So with him coming down to UCLA, they'll probably lose even more. So we'll see what happens when UCLA and Oregon play next year. I'm going to be looking forward to that game. Hopefully I can catch Who else got a new job? I'm forgetting somebody. I know Jim Moore's looking for a job because he was coaching at UCLA. Let his ass go. But, yeah, there's a lot. I think it was mostly the SEC. I think it was mostly the SEC got people out of there. And I really don't care. As long as Jimbo don't go nowhere, I'm good. People calling for Jimbo's head. I'm like, nah, bro. Quarterback whisperer. We need Jimbo. He's saving us money on having an offensive coordinator, man. He's, You know, he's coaching the boys up. He's, I like him because he don't let nothing go. When the QB is the face of the, you know, the QB the face of the team. So you come off the field making a mistake, Jimbo right there in his ass like, hey, this is where you fucked up. This is where you, this is what you need to not do again. Why did you miss that guy? I'd rather see a coach do that than the coach just let a guy walk to the sideline. This is the head coach. And to me, that shows that he believes in the player. Like, I believe I can coach this guy. Because if he didn't, he would just let that guy walk to the sideline when he speak to him. So shout out to Jimbo Fisher. Please don't go nowhere. We need you. Stay there. Stay in Florida State. Our quarterback will be back soon, and we'll be right back in the playoffs, baby, for all the, all the haters out there, all the guys who are having, uh, you know, those schools that are having their first real good season in, like, 20 years. So we'll see it, um, what happens when my nose get back and they get to getting shit cracking again. So, yeah, it's been a, weird, weird, a really weird year in college football, but I do want to say something about it, though, because I, I've been thinking, and this goes for all sports, and it's something that's been kind of bothering me and I think about, you know, the lack of support on TV for, like, the, the HBCU teams, the black colleges, of course. Because I was watching the FAM and BCC game, which BCC won for, like, the seventh year in a row. So, shout out to Bethune-Cookman, FAM. Y'all got to get y'all shit together. But something I was thinking about was bothering me, man. It's like we, as consumers, and I mean black people, minorities, whatever, we, we watch these games. And something that just, like, I don't know why I just thought about it. But I'm just looking at, I'm looking at the field and then I look at the crowd. And I see all these black players on the field, and I see all these white people in the crowd. And something about that kind of bothered me. It reminded me of, like, the gladiator times. And I know, you know, it's not exactly that. 
They aren't slaves, so to speak. They're free. They can leave the team if they want to or whatever. But it just made me think about the perspective of it. Like, damn, if black people decided to put all this energy towards, you know, the HBCUs, maybe those schools will be more prominent in athletics or whatever, but we don't seem to support those schools. I know a lot of it has to do with exposure. And, you know, in order to get to the league, these guys have to go to these these big schools, like mainly the Power Five conference schools. So I, I, I'm just, I was just kind of conflicted about it. Like, man, I should be putting as much support as I, you know, give vocally to Florida State and wanted my, you know, wanted myself to go to Florida State. Maybe I should be focusing on fam. Maybe I should focus on Bethune-Cookman. Maybe I should focus on Central State. You know, maybe if we did that, we'd have more people inclined to go to those schools. Because I was watching something a while back, and it was, it was like a YouTube video or Facebook or something where they were, where they were talking about the importance of the, you know, the historical black colleges and how back in the day when you had shows like A Different World and Martin, the Cosby Show, how they had people wearing the, um, the gear from these, you know, historical black colleges. And it was, you know, it was giving awareness to young black kids about these schools. Because, like, now these kids might not know. If you're coming from the West Coast, you might not know shit about Spelman. You might not know about Howard. You might not know about North Carolina A&T. You might not know about FAM. Because I'm on the West Coast right now, and I don't think there are any historically black colleges out here. If I'm wrong, please correct me. I'd like to know. But it's just something, it's a thought I had, man, and it kind of bothered me that, you know, I, I'm not going to say we blindly throw all this, you know, support behind these big universities because we like the sports as if we don't even attend. But in, that, in a way, we kind of do because we don't put that same energy into the black colleges. Yet we want to be on that same playing field. So it's just a thought I had, man. So uh, keeping with sports, um, I recently heard something about how the whole thing with the president and, you know, LeVar Ball, that boy said he was going to send uh, old 45 a pair of those uh, zone, zone number twos so he can kick back and relax, man. And I think TMZ called him coming out of a restaurant or something, They were, and he, um, he was talking about it. I also heard something else. I couldn't really get to confirm it, but I did hear something about um, – the situation they said happening, not actually happening like that. Like he, apparently Brody had nothing to do with them getting released. They were already, they weren't even in jail. They were at a hotel. So a lot of people thought they were locked up. And that was the impression that the media gave everybody. And I don't know if that's, you know, it, I think, you know, the media kind of has a vendetta out against LeVar Ball. And I would understand that. He's brash and he does, he's unconventional. But the man is finding out a way to put his kids on the platform. So, hey, if you don't like it, you know, Tough shit, you kind of got to deal with it. But they were making this out. These kids were locked up in jail, you know, and it was, that wasn't the case. They were staying at a hotel. And so either way, you know, I hope the kids learned a lesson. Leangelo fucked up because he, he had the least amount of reason to steal. You got a brother in the league. That just didn't make any sense. But it goes to show that anybody can succumb to, you know, peer pressure, whether he was the ringleader or not. It just goes to show when you out away from your normal environment with people and you don't have to, you don't have anybody watching you. People think they can get away with stuff, but you can get jammed up. So hopefully learn from that and just, you know, they went on their way about exposing homeboy and saying that, yeah, he didn't do what he said he did. Yeah, he out here asking for people to thank him. Don't work like that, man. Sorry. NBA, I don't really have nothing on the NBA other than the Cavs being disappointing, the Celtics still being surprising. I did, did get their win streak snapped by the Heat, though. And I think in the next couple of years, the Heat are going to be a problem because they got, they, got a hot, they got Hassan Whiteside to hold down the middle. They got that rookie. Um, I don't know if he went. I can't remember if he went to UConn or Kentucky, but he's a he's a body. He's like a banger. So they got they got the big. They got a the power forward. They got Justin Winslow, Justice Winslow. So you got a wing defender. They got Dion Waiters who's putting up buckets, and I think uh, Dragic is still down there. So they got a little squad, and I would be surprised if they didn't make the playoffs because the East is trash. So they should definitely make the playoffs. So now hopefully they go far and you know help the conference look a little better shine a little bit more light on the East because the West is killing shit right now. And it doesn't look like, right now it doesn't look like it matter who gets to the finals, they're going to get beat. And I'm looking to probably see Houston and um, the Warriors in the conference finals in the West. If not, I feel like San Antonio will get this shit together because Tony Parker's coming back. I think uh, this weekend he'll be coming back with his, from his hamstring injury. So it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of it shakes out. Now, last the last episode I talked about my Bulls and how I feel like their PR person should get a raise. Their social media, whoever's in charge of their media and their their public um, their public affairs, basically, and how they're perceived by the rest of the world. And I still believe that because they, they had the unmitigated gall 
to put a put out a bum ass highlight clip of fucking Denzel Washington disgracing that number 45 jersey, putting up some points. I'm like, my G, y'all got beat 143 till it don't matter. <laughs> you let up another team put up 143 points on you. Whatever you score, don't even really matter because there was no chance of you catching up. And I understand it's Golden State. That's what they do. And that's what the Bulls are trying to do. The difference is they have the talent for that. You can't put a – nobody can guard anybody. Y'all don't see screens coming because I'm assuming that's what happened. Like, there were a lot of screens being thrown and no communication was going on. And, yes, you know, you're just comfortable with being blown out. And I get that they're, they're trying to tank, I guess, which I think is a disgrace. I feel like you should always try to win. But they're trying to tank to get a high draft pick. I don't think they'll need any help with that because the team is garbage. But come on, man, play like you got some self-respect. To me, I don't care how high the team gets. Having 143 points put up on you in four quarters is piss fucking poor. Piss poor. I don't care if they shot threes every three seconds. You can't get a rebound. You can't communicate that a screen's coming. You can't play any type of defense. It's like they're almost, it's almost like they're trying to, you know, to make, to break records for being sorry. And forgive me if I talk about this a lot, but as a born Bulls fan, this is something that means a lot to me. And it's putting a black eye on the franchise, man. They need to get Gar Paxson the fuck out of there. Get Hoiberg out of there. Everybody. Whoever works in the cafeteria, the trainers, get all of them the fuck out of there, man. They need to be gone. They should never be able to look at basketball ever again in their life. You can't watch no game. You got to watch bowling and golf or something. You should never touch a basketball again in your life. And, I, you know, I, I held back about talking about this out of my love for John Paxson for hitting that three-point shot in the finals and, you know, being a good guard for the Bulls. But at this point, nah, fuck him, man. Fuck him and fuck his brother Jim, too, because I'm tired of this shit. They're making the organization look bad. It's, it's terrible, man. It's really pitiful. So I, I hope whatever they're trying to do ends up working out, but I hope I also hope they get fired. And me personally, I'm willing to endure another losing season if it's because they all got terminated and you got to bring in a whole new regime. I would wholeheartedly support that. Them boys got to get up out of that, man. It's terrible. Man, it's, they're making it hard to watch. And, the, and, and, you know, my Lakers, my other team, they're struggling too. And, and I'm not going to lie. While the Lakers are exciting to watch, sometimes it's like, come on, man, you, you're not going to even look to see if anybody else is open. I know Lonzo was always looking, but in my opinion, sometimes he looks a little bit too much. He needs to take these shots. And I'm fine with him going – 5 or 12, I really am. I'm fine with it because he's going to have to shoot his way out of this. He's going to have to figure it out. You got to put your big boy draws on to go out there and get shit cracking. You got your own shoe. You got to play like it. I still believe that he could be rookie of the year. Now, do I think it's as likely as I once thought it was? No. But I still think in the 82-game season, if he can get it together and get his jumping together and get out of this slump and get his confidence back, he'll be good especially if the Lakers win some games. So he's going to take these lumps in like the first few months of the season, but hopefully he gets it right. I, I'm going to predict that he's going to get it right after the All-Star break. We'll see what happens. We will see. What else we got going on in sports, man? I don't even know. Um, the Russian dude, I, the guy who lost to um, Andre Ward, I caught the replay of his fight. He knocked, man, he got homeboy out of there. Two rounds, two rounds. And I didn't catch the very first fight, but I caught the fight in the middle. And that shit was boring. I fell asleep on that. It was trash. And then I cut on, I, you know, I, I got to the other fight, and then that was over in two rounds. So I'm glad I didn't, you know, spend my night watching that whole shit because I've been pissed off. I did watch Kong, though. And Kong was, I didn't want to watch it at first, but, you know, my old lady was like, hey, come on, let's do the family time thing. Let's watch this movie. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's see what happens, man. And I'm not, I'm familiar with King Kong. I didn't watch the old ones. But, you know, seeing that big-ass monkey up there wrecking shop, was, was, it was cool. Like, he was, he was tearing shit up. And the, because in the beginning, I didn't, like, the movie kind of flipped. I didn't think it was going to go how it was going to go. Because, it, like I said, in the very, like, he appeared sooner than I thought. Usually in movies like that, um, you know, the, the main animal or monster or whatever, you don't see it show up till towards the end. They might show a glimpse. They might show a little something else. But, nah, they, he... He got it cracking from the very beginning, man. It was cool. I like it. Will I watch it again? Probably not. It was cool to see Samuel L. Jackson do his thing. Uh, but, yeah, it was overall, it was, it, was, it was okay. If you ain't got shit going on, you know, give it a look. 
It ain't gonna hurt you, man. But it was, it was a cool little movie. But other than that, it's been a fantastic weekend, man. Hopefully these Jags win on Sunday. My nose won. Had a good Thanksgiving. I'm giving you guys too much of my personal right now. But I figure, you know, I put a little light on it. Put a little light on it because it was good. Positivity out there. In the air. Some good vibes. And um, like I said, man, if you, you know, you guys can always hit me up on the, on the social media. It's NoPlay247 at Twitter. So it's capital N, lowercase O, capital P-L-A-Y. Hit me up, man. If you like what I'm doing, let me know. If you don't, let me know. But please be nice about it because I... I'm trying to do this on my own, really, with no with no hand holding. So, let me know how I can do it, and uh, be nice about it because I, I'm trying to be a good dude on here. But I trust me, I'm, I, I'm still a nigga from Florida, and I will roast your ass if I, can, if I can. So just trust, trust me, I will tear that ass up. So if you come at me the wrong way, I got some fire for you, man. Just saying. So, um, like I did last week, and uh, since I'm not putting the spotlight on anybody right now. I will go ahead and do another podcast review. But before I do that, I will say, be on the lookout, man. I got some partners of mine from my from the job. And um, these cats are talking. They're interested in doing their own podcast. So I don't have the names for them yet. But when I get the names for them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you guys on because I'm pretty sure it's going to be dope. And it's not going to be a bunch of bullshit because it's two guys who I feel like have their head together. Two, two young guys. I know one's already went to school and completed school. He's doing something else right now, but I, he's gonna get back on his journey real soon. And I'm going to say it's gonna be, um, it's gonna be. I think his is gonna be more motivational than anything. And, but he, he's a real sharp dude. My man, he does he does poetry and everything. He's a real sharp dude. I respect him a lot. So when I get the name for his shit, um, I'ma definitely put it out that you guys can listen to it. It's good to see a young black man doing stuff like that and trying to and not you know being arrogant about it. He's doing it. But I think his sole, his sole thing behind it is he wants to motivate other people to unlock their great. So, and, and I'm, I'm be honest with you, seeing him do have the courage to do what he did and uh, to step out, do his poetry thing, and put it out on social media and do it in front of people was one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because, you know, when, once you watch somebody else, you know, unlock some of their greatness, it, it puts a little, you know, it puts a little envy into you. You want to do something too. So, that, you know, he's a small part of the reason of why I'm doing what I'm doing. So... In turn, I'm going to encourage him to pursue this because I really think he needs to get that message out. And I think it's important for young black men to hear that, to see somebody who came from those circumstances, went to school, and he's coming out of it. Good family dude, man. So I, I hope you guys um, get on that and enjoy it. So as soon as I get the name for it, I'll put the link in the description for the for my podcast. So if you guys listen to mine, you can just go click, click directly on his and go straight to his shit. Also, I got another dude, another young black cat, another sharp dude, um, who's gonna who's gonna do no uh, do another one. It's gonna be based on finance, which I think is excellent. Cause I know I'm gonna listen, cause I <laughs> my finances ain't the worst, but they damn strange the best. And I know I could get soak up some of this game, so I'm gonna definitely listen to it. And it's good to see, like I said before, it's good to see a young black man doing that, stepping out there and putting something else into the world. And I hope people listen to it and gravitate towards it because. Who doesn't like money? I don't know a person on this earth that doesn't like money or doesn't need money. So hopefully people listen to it. I'm going to do whatever I can to help and promote that because I think financial literacy is definitely needed in the black community, especially young, among, among young people. So hopefully you young cats, because I know some, some of y'all who know me know him. And my man, he's not coming from a place of ignorance. He, my, he eats books. He, started, um, he recently started um, a Facebook page. It's like, I forgot what it's called, but they're trying to do like a book a week challenge, which is also fantastic. So hopefully my man puts his shit together real soon and gets it out there so he can promote it and get it to the people because we need that. Shit, I know I know I can benefit from it. I mean, I'm not in the poorhouse by any means, but damn, who who don't want to have more money or want to know how to manipulate their money better and make their money work for them? We didn't all have that moment where you got to <laughs> get that call and uh, you don't know, like, why does number keep calling me? And a uh, quick pro tip, uh, I learned... And I feel like an idiot about this because I've been, I've had cell phones for a long time and just thought about, damn, well, this mysterious number keep calling, well, I just block the motherfucker. So if you got an iTunes, just go to your, go to the number, hit the little button and block that bitch because I, I felt like a dummy. Like, I keep hanging up on this motherfucker when I could just block calling me by some bullshit, asking me for some damn money. You'll get it when I got it. So just block them. Don't be like me because they call my phone. I got the, I would just scream sometimes to get the people off my phone. They call me, we're looking for 
blah, 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 blah. And I was just, ah, I was just screaming the phone until they hung up to keep, to keep them from calling me. Or they called me, and I pretend like I'm African. They called me, we're looking for Mr. Black. Hey, who is this? I don't know who you are looking for. I'm trying to feed my baby. Leave me alone right now. And I would just hang up the phone. It's funny, and it, it, sounds, it sounds terrible, but it's actually kind of fun for me. So, because a lot of the times they calling me asking for fucking Tanya. I'm like, well, this ain't Tanya goddamn phone. So, I don't know if she had this number before, but she didn't pay the bill. I'm paying for it now. I'm current. I'm caught up. Leave me the fuck alone. But I had to learn to just block those people. So, yeah, um, there's going to be a motivational podcast coming out by a young black man. And there's going to be a financial literacy podcast coming out by another young black man. And I'm going to do my damnedest to promote that shit. So, in a nutshell, that's what I was going. Um, so now I'm going to get into my podcast review of one of my favorite podcasts since I've become a consumer of them recently. And I'm um, podcast aficionado. What's the word I'm looking for? Connoisseur. I've become a podcast connoisseur. And the one I'm going to talk to you guys about today is called What's Good with uh, Stretching by Beto. It's about 30 minutes long, and they talk about a little bit of everything. But most important part to me are the host of this. So Stretch and Bobito Garcia are two New Yorkers, right? And they're a real integral part of New York City hip-hop. They're like legends in the hip-hop scene uh, based out of the East Coast and, well, especially New York City. Especially um, Bobito, Cool Bob Love, Bobito Garcia. If you if played like the first NBA street, he's basically the guy on the mic going through it. He's a streetball legend in New York City. He became a filmmaker. And uh, I think Stretch Armstrong has DJed in, all over the world. It made mixtapes, so if you get a chance to check it out, it's called What's Good with Stretching by Beto. They have guests come on. The show is about, I say it's about a 30-minute show, and they have they have a lot of guests come on, and it just guests from different areas, but guests kind of from their era. A lot of the guests they have on the show are their personal friends who have been with them on their journey, who they've been in contact with, and they just talk about what's going on today. They do the, you know, the normal interview thing. How do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? But the thing about the show to me that's so cool is that these two cats came from nothing. Well, I think Stretch might have had a little bit of cheese. But Barbito and them, you know, they didn't really come from a lot. But they came together as friends, and they've been successful in this industry for a long time. And that's one thing that's hard to come by in the music industry, the success. And they both had to be, um, they had to be diverse. They had to be, especially Barbito, he had to be a chameleon in the game. And learn how to, um, you know, he had to unlock his own greatness, I'll say. And been able to, you know, affect people all over the world by the things they do. So I think it's great. I think the people they have on there, are, they have they have artists on there. They have political figures on there. They have uh, rappers on there. And I, to get the insight from people who came before, a generation before us, and see where they are now. And people that we may not even heard of, but we can be exposed to through this show. I think it's fantastic, man. So if you can listen, if you got 30 minutes, you know, check it out. It's pretty informative. It's cool. And I like it gives me it gives you that, you know, that 90s hip hop feel when you listen to it. Like, you know, if you were around for that area, if not, you should definitely check it out because it might grow you up a little bit. Uh, one of the parts on there I like that they do is just called the impression session. So the impression, the impression session is when they have the guest on both of them will play a song right but they won't tell the guests what the song is and they just basically add like hey we're going to play some music for you we can let it play as long as you need to and you can tell us if you like it if you don't like it how do you feel about it just to kind of see the you know um what the guest provides like how they feel about the vibe of the song or the content or does it take them a certain place in time is it a new song is it an older song just it lets the guests give some perspective on how that song makes them feel. And I do believe it's tailored to the guests a lot of the time, but sometimes it may or may not be. I know they had, they've had Regina King on there. They've had Rosie Perez and her husband on there. They've had another, a few other artists on there. But I can't remember all their names, but it's a good show. You should check it out. Um, I don't know why I graded next to Ear Hustle, but it's pretty good. And also... They have a documentary on Netflix, and this may be better for if you're not familiar with them. And if you are, if you're a hip-hop fan, you should definitely check out this uh, documentary they have on Netflix. It's, it's actually called Stretching by Beto. I'm pretty sure they, they put this out prior to the podcast being created. So it was probably a precursor for the podcast. So you should do the same thing. When you watch this, when you before you listen to the podcast, go watch the documentary. 
It's called Stretching by Beat, though. It's on Netflix, and it basically, I want to say it chronicles. I'm trying to use journalistic words here. <laughs> I think it chronicles their origin from how they started, basically how they met, to how they got where they are now. And it's real dope for me personally because it talks about how important it was, how important music is, and it makes me appreciate music that much more because it makes me value the tape. And a lot, a lot of the young guys, you may, uh, young girls, you may not know what I mean by the tape, but in, in the age before iTunes and Spotify, Pandora, Tidal, and whichever one I'm forgetting, um, before streaming period and before iTunes or whatever and Apple Music, you know, the CDs, we had CDs, we had tapes, but the, everybody knows about the CDs. All you guys were live enough to know about the CDs, but the tape, the cassette tape is what I'm, I'm going to focus on here because the cassette tape was so important because that's how, that's how a lot of people got their music because you could record directly on the tape. And the show, I mean, the, what the documentary tells about how they ended up, you know, they got together, ended up being cool, ended up, they had a radio show in New York City. That, that became ridiculously popular. but it And the crazy thing about it is it was on like late night Thursday night, like super late Thursday. So you had to stay up late just to hear, and they were playing music that they liked. It's not how to, they, it's not like they had a program director or none of that bullshit telling them what they had to play. They played the music that they liked, and they broke a lot of artists. A lot of artists came up there and did interviews and put the music out there, people up there freestyling, like a lot of this shit we saw in the early 2000s, where you had, you had Rockefeller going up and freestyling, like you had Freeway, freeway Battling Cassidy and shit like that, a lot of stuff we see now via YouTube and the internet or whatever, they were doing way back in the early 90s, so yeah, artists like Busta Rhymes, Tribe Called Quest, Big L, Fat Joe, all these people that fell through, stretching by beat over the shitty little radio show, I'm not gonna say shitty, but it's like, you know, low budget, Poor time slide having radio show. Two local kids from New York City put it together, and they made it work, man. They made it legendary. And they had they when they did the documentary, they went back and um talked to some of the guests they had, and I think it was the tw they did like a 20 year anniversary from when they did their last show, and they talked about everything from how they got there to when they kind of had their falling out to when they got back. But it's real dope, and it makes you value the tape because you hear about people older than. Like older than us, older than me, talking about how they would record the tape because you were getting like exclusive songs. You were getting songs nobody else had, exclusive freestyles. And some people were like, I think Buster Rhymes said he would go make a killing. He would record the tapes and then go sell them at school the next day. He was making a killing off that shit. But it really makes you value music in this microwave era where a lot of a lot of people feel like it's not respected not only by the people listening to it, but by the people creating it. Because when you had those tapes. And even the CDs is like, once something happened to that tape or that CD, you was fucked. You had to go buy a whole, buy a whole new tape, or a new CD. And if it was something exclusive that you made, once you had that tape and it was gone, that was it. Like I've watched documentaries where they talk about dudes having tapes, and the tape popping, the cats having to figure out ways to get the tape back together. But it made the music, you know, that much more valuable because you had to take care of what you had. And like even I know the CDs were important for like my youth that when you talk about a tape it's, it's so fragile and you can make it your own and you can make you can mass produce it and you can get it straight from the radio you can get it straight from the radio you can record it off TV because I know if you were like me watching Rap City in the 90s before all this on-demand instant music before even music choice back when you were listening to the box and everything like for me I recorded Rap City I just put my brother's radio up to the TV and I made a cold little tape off of Rap City. So somebody like me, you know, who was at the at the time, I didn't have money for a CD, but I had a tape I could record over. I, I made my own mixtape. So, you know, I was proud of that. And I wish I still had that tape to that day, because it was to this day, because it was fucking dope. But I can appreciate what they're talking about and how the quality of music is, is not really appreciated. It's actually depreciated, especially hip hop, because it's so disposable. Because you have artists like Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole who put the album put the album out like every year, but they don't want to overdo it because they want you to actually like live with the music. Now we don't really take the time to listen to a whole album and kind of keep that album with us, even though it's right there on our phone. I know because I was guilty of this and I had to slow down my music consumption because 
Am I really appreciating the music? If I listen to it three or four times and it's gone, you know, especially if it's good music. When you had that tape or that CD, you would take that with you everywhere. But you, you know, that, that feel of having, you know, the Walkman or the CD player and you trying to walk, you know, you're walking around with the shit on auto skip, hoping that you don't mess up your damn CD. We valued the music more. So for the consumer like us, I got to go spend $14 on a CD that could get scratched. Like, if I'm going to buy an album, it's got to be fucking good. So I'm at for, I'm only buying, like, fucking Jay-Z albums and maybe, like, a Nas album, or I'm only going to buy certain shit because, the, because of how fragile it was. So we had to go spend our money on the quality, not because of the, you know, the mixtape game came out and music went digital. It's like, you, could, you can get an album and you lose it. You can get it right back in a matter of minutes. You could just go re-download it. But that CD that you had, that tape that you had, it was precious because, you know, if you lost it, you might have to get 14 more bucks to go back and get it. And when you were a kid and you don't have a job and you got to get this money off your parents, you can't just go, it, you know, it, it ain't always easy to go get money for a fucking album that your parents don't care about because you didn't take care of it. So I think we came up appreciating music more. We grew up before the music was so microwave and... You got to think now, if you're an artist, do you put your best shit out right now or do you break it up? And that's that's why I'm saying that my my thinking is that the music, the value has depreciated because back when you had to put shit on the tape, you had to give it your best because people were going to get those physical copies. You're going to get the physical, like they're not just handing it on the radio like, oh, okay, this is cool. Let me go stream. It's like, nah, people are actually going to buy the physical copies and living with your music. And knowing it and getting familiar with it now, you know, album come out. Okay, cool. We got three albums come out the same come out the same day. Shit, I used to when I was coming, I had to pick. I'm either gonna get this AT Aliens that just came out, or I'm gonna get this Nas album that just came out. I think it was it was written. I got I got to pick. <laughs> you know, I, which one am I gonna get? Because I only got X amount of money, and I can't get both. Shit, now download both of these bitches, and I just stream them and. See how I feel about them later, and then I'll fucking forget about them. And the artists now, they just don't care. They put trash out there. So if you want to make quality music, you got to select what you want to put out, and then maybe you keep something in the chamber before your next album because you can't afford to not be hot. You got to make a dope enough album so that you live for a few months where everybody who's coming out between you comes out, and then you got to have something in the chamber for next year if you drop annually like that. So when Drake put his album out, J. Cole, Kendrick, Crit, whoever, when they put that album out, they got to make sure it's dope because you got 55 other microwave rappers putting shit out all trying to take their spot. So they, I'm assuming they keep some of the best shit in the chamber because you got 30 people, you got 55 other artists coming out, and 10 of those may have a hit. Five of those may stick around because the music is so microwave. It's, it's going, it's going, it's going, it's changing. So they got to make sure they got shit in the chamber for next time around because the people who bought that album probably don't, they're not holding on to it as much because now there's so much competition with music being so easy to put out and people having so much access to it. What's it worth? And in a nutshell is what I'm saying. When you have, you know, elite artists putting shit out, but then you got somebody coming for the spot and there's so much, it's like, what is it really worth? Because the game is oversaturated right now and a lot of the game is trash. So, that, in a nutshell, before my rant, that's what that documentary reinforced to me, the importance of quality music and appreciating the music. So, it's, like I said, it's a good podcast, a great documentary. If you got time, please go check it out. Get some of them hip-hop roots. And if you're a young boy and you don't really listen to shit like that, if you're not really messed with the J. Coles or whoever, the Kendricks and the Crits, go look at the documentary and just see what, just check out the essence the essence of hip hop, the bars and the, the bars and the beat, the boom and the bap, and the bars. Go get you some of that, and maybe you'll appreciate the music that's being made a little more. And half, and the crazy thing about it is, one of my partners said he liked the ignorant shit, but he make music, which is crazy. So to me, I'm listening to it like, okay, if you like ignorant shit, you're willing to make ignorant shit. And what I've learned through my years of growing up is that ignorant shit don't last. The people that last in the music game that are still going on tour right now make quality music. That's why Nas and all of them are still relevant. Because they make quality music. 
they make music that people can grow into. Nobody who listened to them franchise boys years ago is going to go back and listen to them franchise boys. Their kids aren't going to go back and listen to them franchise boys because it's trash. They're not going to go back and listen to like a little John song. It's all, all scrappy. All that shit was garbage, in my humble opinion. All that shit was trash. And that shit was there for that time period it was there, and then it was gone. And while it was a hit, it really wasn't shit. Because you can go listen to It Ain't Hard to Tell, and that shit is still dope. You listen to them Nas verses, still get still get motivated to go put that pen to pack. Listen to the fucking old Reasonable Doubt, it still make you want to put the pen to the paper. Even old KRS-One, MC Shan, you listen to that, that sound, it still makes you, it, it, it kind of motivates you to want to go rap. But you can't take a kid from here and then go put him on now. He'd be like, this is true. This what y'all listening to? This was garbage. The shit they talking about in my white tee? Are you crazy? A-Town Stomp? This is ridiculous. They go back and listen to it, look at us like we crazy. But those quality artists from back in the day, still relevant. The mother guys, get them the fuck out of here. And it's because you can't realize, and I said it to somebody, and they, I kind of got into a Facebook debate a while ago about this shit. It's like, if you weren't there in the time frame that certain music came out, you won't be able to get it. Now, you can go back and appreciate a Nas in his, uh, in his heyday and listen like, yeah, this shit is dope, but you won't get it if you weren't in that time frame. And, but Nas is so talented that that style, that his music will carry on. It's classic. OJ, OJ's so classic that it's going to carry on. Even like, let's say Big Daddy Kane, let's say old NWA, all that's going to carry on because it's classic. Ice-T, 6 in the morning. Ghetto Boy, Scarface, it's all going to carry on because it's good classic music. All the old outcast shit, all the Wu-Tang stuff, you can listen to it. You can't listen to it, them franchise boys or old bullshit-ass Lil John song or fucking Cuckoo Cow or whoever and get something from it the same way because that, that music was based off, it wasn't based off substance, it was based off energy. And if you weren't there at that time frame to understand where that came from, you won't get it. It's just like cats that be like, um, if you born in fucking 1998 and you saying Michael Jordan, the greatest player of all time, you look fucking crazy to me because you didn't even see Mike play. Like, I got to ask myself, do I feel like Kobe's better or Michael's better? I saw Kobe play when, as a man. I saw Michael play as a child. At what point in my life could I appreciate the game of basketball more? At what point in my life could I understand the game and understand the system and how things work, right? So that, that goes to my point. If you weren't at a certain time frame, can you really appreciate it? And that's why I'm saying go back and look at this documentary and it'll help you kind of get that energy for why this shit is so classic, why the sound is, sound was, what it was and how it carried on and still be, you know, relevant to this day. So with that being said, I'm going to step off my soapbox, man. And um, I hope y'all enjoy this. But once again, that's What's Good with Stretching Bobito. That's the podcast. And the Netflix documentary is called Stretching Bobito. Please go check it out. For my hip-hop heads out there, please go check it out. Um... Once again, if you guys want to get in contact with me, it is noplayingthisride at gmail.com, all lowercase, noplayingthisride at gmail.com, all lowercase. Please give me some feedback, but be kind, because I will tell your ass if you come with me crazy. I'm just saying. I'm still one of them. I still come for you. Also, noplay247, capital N, lowercase o, capital P, L-A-Y, at Twitter. Hit me up, man. Get my follower game up, man. I'm trying to get me some followers so I can start doing shit with it. And uh, maybe I'll figure out how to do a giveaway or something, like a Starbucks card or maybe like an Amazon card or iTunes card or something. Holidays coming up, I'll figure out some type of bum-ass contest to get people involved. But give me some feedback, listen, subscribe, rate, review. Also, if you need beats, Brooks on the Beat, my man, Brooks. So that's www.soundcloud slash Brooks on the Beat. www.soundcloud slash Brooks on the Beat. Beat maker, rapper, audio engineer. Help me help my homeboy out while, I, while he helps you getting your music together and getting your sounds right. www.soundcloud.com slash Brooks on the Beat. If you need music, my man, Weeks, got a website, record label, www.newjackcity.net. New Jack City Music, out of Jacksonville, Florida. My player partner, Weeks. If you're interested in uh, getting down with the Jacks community, Expo in Jacksonville, Florida. My man Scarver, uh, he has a Facebook page for that. So it's Jack's Community and, and Families Expo, I think is what it's called. I'm going to get the name right at some point. And when I'm able to get the link to put down in the description, I won't be, I'll be able to put it in there. But I've been messing that up because I'm retarded or whatever. But it's, on, it's a Facebook page. So it's Jack Commu Jack's Community 
and the Families Expo, I think is what it's called. And they're, they're doing, they do them every year. And like I said before, it's a chance for big businesses, small businesses to come and get together with the community and, you know, reach out to their customers and I guess get feedback from the customers or whatever. They have things for kids there. They do back to school giveaways. They had a bounce house. So please, go, you know, go check it out. It's something for the community, man. Like I said, if you got anybody I need to talk about, need to highlight, if you want me to share some light on somebody doing something for the community, somebody that came from nothing to something, doing something in business, let me know so I can highlight them. Mario, Silence, I'm coming for you. Vita, I'm coming for you and your Alka Vita. Um, my man Highland, I'm coming for you. I'm going to talk about you a little bit on here, whether you like it or not. If you're doing something good, I'm going to talk about you. If you're doing bad and you're doing bullshit, I'm going to ignore you. So help me shine that light on people, man. Once again, thank you to all my loyal listeners. Do me a favor. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Until that friend already knows. So tell everybody. Go ahead and listen. Um, peace and love. Leave it better than how you got it. You know what I mean? I fucked that up. So leave everything better than you got it. Improve. Build up. Bricks and pyramids. Peace, I'm out. No plan this ride. Blackout. Gone.